Welcome to episode number 12 of the Australian Athletic Podcast, and we've got the whole coaching crew, at least the majority of us here today. Got myself, Mickey, you've got Reese to my right. Howdy. Victor, sitting right in front of me. Howdy, guys. Adam. Howdy. And Jazz, of course. Howdy. Since when do we say howdy? (laughs) (laughs) Me and Today's going to be just talking about the wonderful world of sport because there's been a lot going on in the last week or two, hasn't there, boys? Oh, sure has. Shall we start with the weekend and uh, the one closest to home, Port Adelaide? What do we think happened? (laughs) 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 Me and Victor are very much Port Adelaide supporters. It was a bit tough to watch and, I guess, turn off the TV uh, probably about quarter time. Um, Yeah. What do we think went wrong? Everything. Well, I think the first quarter, I, I missed like the first 30 points or so, but when you get blown out five goals from the start, it's tough to come back from that. And the think maybe, you know, a bit of mental, like you sort of feel already like behind the eight ball from the start, then you've got to try and catch up. And the other team's having a, you know, a really good game. It was, a, it was tough watching. If you look at the two teams that won in the qualifying final, Melbourne came out red hot, ready to go against Geelong. Where was Port Adelaide? Why didn't they have that fire? Were Western Bulldogs in a tight contest the previous week where they came out ready to go? What's the case? What do we think actually happened? Some teams could just carry more momentum than others. I think tactically as well, like everything that could go wrong for Port Adelaide went wrong. Everything that could go right for the Western Bulldogs went right. Then, you know, it's, it's this. And then as the momentum gets further and further and further away from you against teams that good and in games that big, it becomes really, really difficult to swing it around. Well, they've done that to a lesser extent last year, but they've dropped out now two preliminary finals in a row. Do you look at the players? Do you look at the coaching staff? Do you look at the S&C staff? Who, who are we looking at mainly? I don't think you could boil that down to S&C without knowing way more than we do kind of thing. I think I'd be very surprised if it were. And if you were to find out that, you'd have to know more than we do. But I feel like you'd have to look at the preparation for those really big games. Now, what part of the preparation it could be, it could be any of that, of the various parts that go into that. But I think I question the preparation for big games because if you look at their results this year, they struggled against good teams all year. I think they only won a couple of high-profile games all year. They had a relatively healthy squad. Yeah, they had a really good squad leading into the finals. But I think if you look over the year, Melbourne and Bulldogs were the top two um, all year. Maybe they just backed off a bit towards the end. Unfortunately, got knocked out of the top four for Bulldogs, but... Do you think maybe they just had a like a, a, de- good, a de- good streak in the finals and that's why they got to the prelim? Because I saw a lot of things online about them struggling against the like the top eight side teams. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They've been like, doing it all year. That's what I mean. All year, they, they were really, really good against... like, But I think people kind of pathologise that more than it is. Because if you look at like the great Man United teams of Ferguson... They used to look at it and go against the bottom 10, we need to beat them home and away, and that's 60 points. That's two-thirds of the way to the title. Yeah. So there's no reason you can't do that in the AFL. And if you go, well, if we beat the bottom half, there's nine wins right there, and then we get half and half again. Like, so pe- people probably made more out of port than I thought was necessary, but then it does come up when you lose a big-profile game so badly. Like, what is, what's wrong against big teams because they're not winning big games? The quality just isn't there, maybe. Well, Hamish Hartlett didn't get offered another contract this morning, so... That was kind of known yeah. prior that that was going to happen, that he, I think both parties were happy to move on. And that's three players so far that have essentially been shown the door. Do you reckon there's more to come? Um, I think a healthy amount of turnover is always needed. 
I think, but if you look at their body of work over the season, I think it's really important they don't overreact because they have had a good year. They've got a lot of young players as well coming through. I think two pre finals two. in a row is a pretty good record. There's a lot of teams who wish they had this, and people are like, oh, is Hinkley going to stay? Like, there's a lot of clubs like Carlton who would kill to be in two prelims in a row. As a Crow fan, a Crow's fan, I'd just like to make fun. That'd be great to make fun. That's finals, it. I'd <laughs> be pretty happy with two prelims. Not a bad record. If you go back to the early 2000s, it took four prelims in a row for Port Adelaide to finally make a grand final and then mm. win do you stick it out for another two years Ken Hinkley's got another two years on his personally contract. I think if you sack Hinkley in this position you're out of your fucking mind like I don't understand why you would get rid of a coach who's done this well yeah, you're I, reacting I, more than anything Pe- people are upset don't get me wrong like I get it I'd be hurt as well I've been in similar positions as supporter of other clubs but <laughs> I agree if like, two... you can't sack him off the back of two prelims like... yeah that's that's great that's not a bad record at all losing it badly sucks but still Good, great to get there. The only team I can ever remember sacking a coach in this situation had this situation occur for many more years than two, and that was Tampa Bay. And then with the new coach, they won the premiership. Or they won the Super Bowl the following year, but they did this like four or five times before they sacked Tony Dungy. Is it just the clubs looking at to point a blame at something just to kind of have something to say it's your fault? I think the fans and the media need an answer. They just I want someone's media. I think a lot of it's the media wants a story, <laughs> and the story is here because it's Adelaide centric the story is what Port lost yeah. why and then there's got to be a scapegoat and a blame guy and this and that and then it's so natural that it's just the coach but imagine, yeah, imagine being the head coach after a game having the press conference ask for answers they've not done their review they're not going to do the review 10 minutes after a game yeah. wait till the Monday or Tuesday whenever the players are ready for it have the review and then and, and, and then make you know have a, have yeah. this is to what happened or we don't know put such a bad rap on what is essentially a pretty successful season They'll probably ask what happened in the week leading up to it, and they're probably going to say the same thing that happened against Geelong for that whole week, and we won, but we didn't this time around. Because, I mean, like in, in terms of the media, you look at the Brisbane-Western Bulldogs game where the Bulldogs won by, was it a point? Because they literally had one more shot that they deliberately just chopped it through so they get the point. Like, that's fine, I get it. I would have done so. But then in the press conference, Leon Cameron sits there, and the guy goes, what do you think was the losing difference? And he looked at me and goes, what? Like, seriously? We lost by a point. The losing difference was they had one more shot than us. <laughs> like, and that it got the cynical sarcastic answer it deserved and I think Porter in a little bit of a similar situation where people are kind of going on and on about all these things that are wrong it's like, there can only be so many things wrong when you play in consecutive prelims I want to put a neutral cap on and if we look at Bulldogs not being able to train all week does that essentially freshen up because we know in a week you can't get someone from unfit to super fit you're going to generally keep a good level of fitness and you can still get on irrelevant time. of the fitness preparation it will get me pissed off and wanting to hurt that team yeah. badly and mentally two, yeah there's two takes on that i think there's the the galvanizing siege mentality of everyone's out to get us if you're them and like beverage kind of said that in the presser he said that perfectly. and then I, th- I thought he handled that really well because like i do actually think it was unfair on them the way they were treated but then also mentally your preparation it would be thrown as a player because you can't go through all your normal routines of training and two days out i do this three days out i do this etc we show our <coughs> bless you that wasn't bless you that was, was a cough it? but thank you there you go we say bless you for coughs now um if anything it gets you back against the wall and makes you hungrier makes you hungrier so as soon as you step out there which we saw as soon as they stepped out there they wanted to hurt or and they did and now the result is they're in a grand final. Port isn't, unfortunately, for another year. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do this offseason. Do they come back early? Do they actually give the players some time? At the end of the day, it's been a long season, a weird season too, especially with a hectic travel schedule. Let's see what happens now. Watch this space. Let's go across the ditch over to the US where they're just starting their pre... They've actually just started the NFL season. 
and we're going to speak about the Baltimore Ravens. What's going on there? The last month and a half leading into the season, we're talking four ACLs, one contact, one where he got his foot stuck in the ground on AstroTurf in a game, and then two in a practice session a week before the game, plus an Achilles tendon season-ending uh, season Achilles injury. What happened? Imagine ending your season just as it starts. The whole team? All the individual players? <laughs> in a, in a COVID, yeah. The COVID year? I mean, Baltimore are a good team as well. They yeah, have a lot of potential. Sort of, what sort of connections can you make with a cluster of four ACLs? All, all done slightly differently. What What I think is really interesting is that traditionally the, the massive injury period isn't this like this little dead spot. You get injuries at the start of the year when they go to full speed games yeah. and you get injuries at the start of training camp when they go to full speed training. And you get this sort of typical dead spot of injuries. Not dead spot, but like lower rate at the very end of training camp going into the first game because players are as ready as they're going to be for that first game and then you're not going to find out until the actual game that they're not ready or they've got injured at the start of training camp. Like the Giants had this massive rush of injuries right at the start of camp. Yeah. So they had a super old school set up and they just ground the players to pace. What I find really weird is that this has happened so late and like maybe it's bad luck. It I is think, possible. I think luck is a major factor for so many injuries that it's just not considered enough. Because like, I don't. I mean, I've seen the ACL stuff. Obviously, one's contact, so you chalk that up to the universe. He's just he got his he got his knee crushed in. Like that's gonna, that's going to happen, especially in a contact sport like that. You know, and what then? What else is in the background? Because I remember the Western Bulldogs a few years ago had a big raft of orthopedic injuries, and it's like, is it bad luck? Maybe they have ended up with a cross section of players that are prone to orthopedic problems. Maybe the Ravens have had the same thing where. The players they've ended up on their list are more prone to that problem, even though there's not actually anything wrong with what the Ravens are doing specifically. Because they're not a club that traditionally has a high injury rate. They're, they're known for taking pretty good care of their guys. So, What is the typical length of a preseason for an NFL team? It's hard. It keeps changing because they keep changing it with the EBA. I'm actually not sure what it's at now. But traditionally, I think training camp... Before COVID started messing with their schedule, it was... Four preseason games, which they kind of had really hard set conventions about what the first teamers would play. So, if everybody was in the building, there's no contract disputes kind of going on with individuals. The first preseason game, the first offensive series and first defensive series would be the true first team, and then they'd, they'd go sit down. The preseason games were largely about finding out who should stay on the roster and slowly getting guys fit, and then they would have live scrimmages with other teams during the week where the first team would get fit that way rather than in live preseason games. Then they'd go into um, week three, the first teams would play the first half. They'd kind of build up between that. And then in week four, if you had a, a hard starter like Brady at quarterback, he wouldn't play in round four at all because you know he's going to make the team. You know he's the starter. And then they, the week four is just about the guys at the bottom of the roster trying to solidify their spot or not get cut. Now, because of COVID, they've changed it. I think some teams only played two preseason games this year. They've lent much more on those live scrimmages behind closed doors. So it's really hard to know what it is now. I think it's probably largely different between each club. One of the players that did suffer an ACL in that training session, he had to miss the first 10 trainings because he tested positive to COVID or because he was unvaccinated. So that could have been yeah. a shorter preseason. They could have tried jamming a lot more work in that time. It's certainly possible, and I think the hard thing, say, like we're we're so blessed with, say, the AFL with the length of, <coughs> excuse me, bless you, length of preseason, and how easy it is to prepare players over the long term. We kind of get a nice flow in, where with the NFL, it's they've got seven months off or something like that. Then they come in, they've got quite a short preseason, 
the demands of the sport are the demands of the sport. That's not going to change. So then, like you said, if Old Man's missed 10 training sessions, he comes in, he's got to fit in with the rest. You're not going to change one, a whole training session of 90 players for one. He comes in, he gets hurt because he's trying to catch up to the demands and it's not there kind of thing. So over that seven month, is it seven month off season you said? It's a lot anyway. It might be six. Or How much would, do you reckon they'd be playing over, over that? Playing? Yeah, or playing or scrimmaging or... None. There's, like, it's actually mandated by the EBA that the club cannot have them in the building. Really? Yeah. So it's like... Maybe that far the away. The season is 17 weeks. You get 16 games in a bye week. Then the playoffs is four past that. So it's a 20-week season. Maybe spending that far away from the sport influences how, well, like how everyone's making decisions. So I think bad decision-making is a big influence of ACL injuries, especially. Yeah. How you cut, how you turn, how your thorax is... Um, like influenced by and I'm assuming mechanics. these players have families in other cities and other states yeah. so every chance that they were going to travel to see family and because of COVID they probably had to stay there versus going back with their team or going back with a group from their team it's not uncommon for big name players in particular to live in one city and play in another and they'll spend their 30 weeks in one city and 20 weeks in the one they play in so I think with that as well <coughs> what they do in the in the true off season is up to the winds like they're not playing so like Jazz is saying when you come back in and the demands are completely different and then so there's been debates about whether the EBA actually hurt the players because they bargained for more and more time away from the club the club couldn't mandate them on site but then now are they getting hurt as a result of that because there's less time for the club to adequately prepare them where say the AFL has them for an incredible amount of time relative to other sports but the injury rates are massively lower and then also, with rookies, we prepare them for the combine, which isn't remotely reflective of actual football. So they get really good at running pro agility, three-cone drills, 40-yard dashes. Close-chain close drills. Which look nothing like the sport. They come into perception action demands of the sport and they get hurt. So like, Bill Belichick was publicly critical of the combine set, saying they only care about two or three things in the whole set, and the rest of it they care more about how they play football. I think the 100-kilo bench press for reps is probably about the stupidest test. <laughs> the dumbest test. test in all of sport. My favourite one is making offensive linemen jump, personally. Big fan of that. Because they need to jump to catch the ball right when yeah. someone's running out of Let's make that. a 350-pound guy jump because that's going to inform you about offensive line performance. But I can do 40 reps at 100 kilos. I think the record's 49. Oh, Jesus. Four reference as well. That guy got cut in his first preseason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let's go to the round ball. Soccer, Ronaldo's return on the weekend. Two goals. Yeah, I just I don't like Man I don't like Man United. <laughs> <laughs> they they just seem to be well, other than the Champions League result this morning, that game they were just they were just ticking. Poppy was ticking, Fernando was ticking. It looked like that game against Leeds they had at the start of the season as well, they were just banging. Yeah. <coughs> the um, interesting thing as well was like Bruno Fernandez was like, You're not gonna show me up, mate, and then just bangs in a goal from like halfway. And Pogba's start of the season was seven assists. Yeah. If he's when he's on his day, I'd put him up there with De Bruyne with what he can do on the field. He's fantastic. Everybody talked about all these signings. Man United had even before they signed Ronaldo. Now that they've signed Ronaldo, they're talking more about it. The best signing. If Pogba plays a year like that, Pogba is the best signing they'll have. Imagine the midfield of Pogba, Fernandez, and whoever they else. They and put the six in. they get to hold. I think yeah. McTominay is one of the most underrated players in the world. In honesty, I, I really, really rate him. And then because he's in the shadow of all of those superstars everybody forgets about him but like no one's even talking about Jaden Sancho who was a top five record signing money wise and everyone's talking about Ronaldo and Bob but yeah. Sancho must be sitting there going remember me <laughs> but yeah they look unreal they've got a scary squad yeah if they can make it gel that team's scary good still lost to young boys though that sucks but 
This what morning didn't name. happen. <laughs> what a name. Um, I think the there's some four really world class squads in the Prem at the moment that ev- that ev- they all look like they're firing on all cylinders. Kind of been a two horse race for uh, you know likely four years now. Really, you put Man U back in the mix now. 100%. There's, any of the top four could legitimately win the league this year, and I don't think anybody could be particularly surprised. Man right. City with Jack Grealish would be even better. Just depends how they. That City team is so. Like, if you look at the bench of Man City every week, that team could be a Champions League semi finalist from their bench. Chelsea coming off a Champions League win, Champions League win and then signing Lukaku as well. That's fantastic. Like, they're. Lukaku's like, that's, been on fire. Yeah, he's, he's a monster, and he just, got, he just got better playing for Inter. So he's going to come back with confidence. And bully the friend. I think Tuchel doesn't get enough credit for what he's done with that side, with that side and other sides as well. Like that team with Lampard was a laughing stock, was like actively a joke. Yeah. And with Tuchel, they won the Champions League with no signings. I think yeah. our top four is pretty much solidified. Who we think is going to be in there? How do we think it's going to play out by the end of the year? I have no idea. But if you look on sports bet, you can bet on the top four box. By the way, this is not betting advice. I'm not this saying just... you should bet. I'm just saying this is what the public broadly thinks of it. It's like those, the four obvious ones are like a dollar ten, and any other combination is like ten dollars. Yeah. Because the bookmakers are so on board with this top four running away from the likes of Tottenham and Arsenal. I'm glad that everyone has given up on Arsenal. Yeah. Liverpool with Van Dyke is a different team. Well, I think a lot was made of Liverpool not signing anybody, but people, because Van Dyke was out, the injuries they had last year, Henderson as well, people forget how good that first team is. Yeah. That's, that's still a world class um, the, the thing with Liverpool is they'll lose Mane and Salah to AFCON and how they cope without those two is going to be challenging without signing another another backup forward or well they'll we'll lose those before the transfer window opens because I think AFCON starts in December Yeah. so they're going to have to make do without him and now Harvey Elliott's out because Harvey Elliott might have been slated to play in one of the front three positions England looks like it's got some of the biggest squads now in the world and they've very much got four world-class squads for the Champions League. Who do we think is going to take out the Champions League, if not one of them? I think I just think it's going to be an English team. I, don't... I still think Bayern's the best team in Europe myself. PSG not in the mix? I wonder if you can make a team that star-started gel. I'm not should... saying you can't. If you can, that team is unbelievable. But I, I just wonder if it could work. And the challenge with PSG is always going to be the league they play in won't prepare them to play Bayern, Man City, etc. How does yeah, and how do you think Messi will fit into such a side that's almost full of just Galacticos now? I um, you can only go off previous with Messi, but Messi's always everyone else fits him. Yeah. I just wonder whether that's. I feel like the quality of the front three will probably sort itself out. Like those kind of players, Messi and Neymar, you know, can play together, and then Mbappe will fit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's whether you can gel the rest of the team to cover that kind of front three, because. There was always someone who did the dirty work at their previous clubs with Messi and Neymar. I was Suarez doing the dirty work. Suarez did a lot of the running. When you look at, say, when big stars started forward lines, like Madrid had Ronaldo and Bale, Benzema did the that dirty was, work. Yeah. At Liverpool, Firmino does the dirty work. I don't know who's going to do that for PSG. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I'm just saying it's not immediately obvious to me. Well, they have Di Maria. He can do the dirty work, but whether he, where he plays, who knows? Well, he, the year that Madrid won the Champions League with Ancelotti, Di Maria played 10. So... Playing 10, I wonder if he does that again. 10 Pitch. behind Messi, but Messi probably... Well, yeah, I think your front three is probably ne- Messi, Neymar and Mbappe in however configuration, and then Di Maria is like the forward-most midfielder. Yeah, that's pretty scary. Yeah. Let's stick to the round ball and come all the way back home. We've got the last round of the MPL, State League 1 and State League 2. Who's taking out MPL? It's a two-horse race, I believe. City and Comets, both tied on 40 points. Who's got the better goal difference? I think City. I think City have it just, yeah. but I don't know who they're playing. 
we're about to find out. It's, so. uh, they, they could, I think someone said that they could have had it um, you know, sewn up a week ago or two weeks. They could have had it three weeks ago. Three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. City play Croydon. Oh, Croydon are in great form. Croydon have been cooking along lately, and Comets play Olympic, who are good too. So And Olympic are playing for a final spot, need, and Croydon are too, so, as games. far as I'm aware. Yeah, because Olympic are currently only in finals on goal difference. And then versus. Well, Olympic are in level on points with South, but they've got goal difference. So. Yep. Are Croydon in the mix for that? Croydon are one point out of finals. That's so there's be one. Very fi- interesting. There's yeah. one final spot which could conceivably change, but there's three teams chasing it in Olympic, South Adelaide, and Croydon. And relegation is done and dusted for Raiders and Blue Eagles? Raiders could theoretically stay up. It's just really, really unlikely. Who's the one to drop if they go out? Cumberland. But Is it Raiders Metro? Raiders, Raiders have Metro. a goal difference of minus 16. And Cumberland have... Six, oh, no, actually, sorry. It's not, I take back what I said. Cumberland's goal difference minus 21 and Raiders is minus 16. So I just didn't see Metro dropping points at this stage of the season. I don't know. Metro have had some real random results lately. They're a great side, like a really good side, but they've had a couple of really... What kind of results? So, did anyone see the goals for Sturr on the weekend? No. Bangers. No one seen them. Oh my god, unreal! I I'll look them up now. Local soccer doing amazing <laughs> I things. Can't remember his name, but just he's sort of taking him on the left side of midfield and banged them both with his right foot. So Maroney. who's sitting Maroney? on top by the end of the week? Pardon, Maroney? No. no. Who's sitting on top by the end of the week? Let's go around the table. I'm gonna go with City. Is that bias? Hmm? Is that <laughs> no, look, I was with the team last year and half of them are still there. I still wish them the very best. I think City are more likely to beat Croydon than Comets are to beat Olympic or they both Jazz. do. Uh, I'm going to pick for both of them to win and I'll, but I'll say City to stay top. I'm going to go Comets. They're going to do the league and the reserves. Oof, double. Greece. I'm definitely going with the group right here. I reckon City. City. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon everyone will win if they just have fun. <laughs> yeah, for sports. Let's go down to State League 1. It's a three-horse race? Two-horse race. Two now. White two. City and... Burks. Burks. Because Modbury lost at the worst possible time. So it should have been a three-horse race. But Modbury randomly got done off Fulham. Fulham United 2-0 over Modbury and that that's huge for Fulham wow. that made that actually and safe Fulham are safe off the back of that now wow. Hamish Anderson scored the second goal just putting wow. it so White, <laughs> White City are two points he also clear. got a yellow card for his celebration so you know White City are two points clear of Burks bit of a relegation battle in the State League 1 as well oh that's uh, White City who, play victory and Burks play where have they gone Parrot Hills so Parahills are strong. So you're back in White City to keep it. Um, They're Serbian. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about my people. They don't come at the right time for it. But with the challenge at the bottom, Cobras versus Eastern playing off for the the final relegation spot. And now I believe that Western are Western Western Strikers are bottom. No, no, not Western Strikers. West What's Adelaide confirmed that they keep their three points. Oh, okay, yep. So, so there it, you go. So it's only there are three teams that can get relegated, but it could flip on its head. Strikers need Cobras and Eastern to draw, and them to win. And they need to beat Fulham. So it is absolutely possible because it's a very big ask, but still possible. It could happen. So the, the the question that needs to be asked is the teams who aren't in the finals but aren't relegated that are just sitting in you know that that sort of dead spot. Is there anyone they, that's sitting in that dead spot? Yeah, though? West Adelaide, Hills, and Fulham. Fulham. So Fulham's in that spot. They, now. Can, they can switch order those three, but they can't get relegated and they can't make finals. Okay. 
Let's go finally to your boys, Adelaide Uni State League Two. Is it sealed? No, no, it's definitely not sealed. Oh god. Um, I'm gonna have a very unbiased uh, <laughs> comment here, but yeah, Adelaide Uni and Port Adelaide, top of the table, fifty and forty-nine. Um, Who have your boys got? Uh, so we've got Seaford at home. So um, we went down there last time. Good solid game. They had a few young boys there. I think they've uh, yeah sitting fifth. So a bit higher than who Port have, who are. Gola who is sitting there in that dead spot so you kind of go you know are you playing for pride are you just getting the season done but no we, we you know if, if if we win it's also not doesn't matter on any of the results and obviously that's what we're playing for but um you know Port have come strong in that second half of the year they've had uh, a good strong run so hopefully uh we can find out we can have a maybe a Point game on the weekend. It's be a bit of mad Monday, don't it's been a big game. season, that's for sure. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that looks. But no, Seaford are a good team. I think they've had a couple of results, good results as well. So you know, if, if anyone is free and this is out Saturday, three o'clock, <laughs> Adelaide University Ovals. Oh, have you guys got the three o'clock game? Because they make everybody play at the same time. You still yeah, so, so this is as big as the EPL. Everyone has to play the last game at the same time. Yeah. So there's no match fixing. Wait, yeah. no, Uncobra is at seven. Uh, well, would they find out when Cobras are? State League. I get it. Oh, yeah. It's not the same uh, league, but still. Yeah. It's going to be Cobras very... are at five. Cobras are at five. Yeah, so three, five, and seven, I'm assuming, at the time. 7.30 for, for the MPL, yeah. Oh, so seven. you could theoretically hit all three. It's going to yeah. be a fun weekend. I will be watching. <laughs> yeah. I'm keen. And we've got our sponsors day at Adelaide Uni, so we're going to have all our corporates there to uh, sing their praises, Victor. That's it. You know, they've done a great job, and um, no, it's going to be an exciting, you know, Final game of the regular season. Obviously, we've uh, sewn up a final spot. So after this week, we'll uh, turn our attention to that. I've never heard a more political, nervous uh, commentary. Like <laughs> spoken like a true coach. Uh, final, final thing that we'll leave on. Grand final predictions for a week and a half. Melbourne or Western Bulldogs? I'm going to start with Melbourne. Melbourne by 150 points. Bulldogs do not even score a goal. I'm still salty. I'm still salty. <laughs> I think the Western Bulldogs to win the flag in round 10, and I want them to win purely for my own ego. Emotionally, I could not care less. I just want to be a banger of a game, but my ego says, give me the Bulldogs. Look, we don't have Port in there, so let's ruffle some feathers. I reckon doggies will take it. Love your work. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you've enjoyed the commentary and all things sport, please let us know. We'll make sure that we keep you up to date as often as we can. We're actually starting to stick to weekly podcasts or even more than that on the odd occasion so go us go Go sports Uh, boys thank you if you guys enjoyed that please leave a five star review and of course share it over the socials make sure you tag us so we know that you've shared it and hope you enjoyed listening until next time